0: But the point I'm making about Patterson is, look, he he has made it very clear he's not yet ready to talk contract with Vancouver. I ain't saying nothing. But well, what do I tell the doctor? Don't to suck a lemon.
1: 702
2: on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, SportsNet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in hour two of the program now on a Monday. Uh, Hour 2 is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is a full flavor without compromise. It's at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. We returned to uh, soccer action this weekend. Mm -hmm. Early return. I had a
1: Primetime after the game. Did you need one? Um, Yep. (laughs) I sure did. We We had a beer league game last night, and I was... Watching the game for the bench and going, wow, this sure looks like a game between a bunch of old guys who haven't done anything for three weeks. Uh, did you? Yeah. <laughs>
2: How many guys? Could showed this up? be slower? How many guys showed up? That's what I
1: want to know. We had uh, two lines. Yeah, which uh, the first enough.
2: the first game post Christmas break. <laughs> I find he's usually poorly attended Yeah, for a multitude of reasons. Maybe mm. people are still on vacation, but there's that. Or they just forget. Or, yeah, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm on a hockey team. Or they've, they've eaten and drank so much over the holidays. They're like, yeah. you know what? Not this one. I'll go to
1: the next one. <laughs> I'll go to the gym first. Yeah. Right. Figure it out.
2: Get on the treadmill, hit the peloton. I'll be good to go for the next game. Just not this
1: one. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec. Uh, we got some news out of Toronto.
2: According to Sportsnet's very own Elliot Friedman, uh, he is hearing that Toronto and William Nylander, the hockey player, uh, are now basically closed in on an eight-year Contract extension that will pay young Nylander eleven and a half million
1: dollars per season. Uh, there's still some details to be worked out. He wants to make sure that he has full benefits on this, yeah. and he wants at least five hundred dollars worth of massages. Yeah, uh, that's the last one. Complimentary cell phone. That's the always a good to one. The, one the to vending machines. Yeah, that's, that's sort right. Of thing like it's just the details. Um, so a lot of people have been discussing this question: Does the Nylander contract? Have anything to do with what Pedersen is going to do with the Vancouver Canucks? Right. So we had Dolly Wall on the show on Friday and asked him, "Is there anything, you know, like does the does the Neilander contract affect the Pedersen contract?" And he was like, "Of course it does. You know, players and teams and agents use these contracts as comparables." But LA Friedman uh, has taken a bit of a different tact with that question. And here he is on the most recent 32 thoughts, basically saying almost the opposite of what Rick Dollywell told us on Friday.
0: Like, I think the numbers always impact people, but the point I'm making about Patterson is the the number one thing that's going to impact him is when he's ready to talk. Like, like, like he, he has made it very clear. He's not yet ready to talk contract with Vancouver. So like, To me, it has no, like, William Nylander signing this week. Assuming it gets done, and I think it will. It has no impact on Pedersen because you can't sign Pedersen until he's ready to talk. Yeah. Will the number have a factor? Sure. But that's what I'm saying here. Okay. Just because Nylander signs doesn't mean Pedersen's going to wake up on Tuesday morning and say, well, he's done. Yeah. Cha-ching, time to cash in. No, he's not ready yet.
1: So... Not really disagreeing with Rick because Rick kind of took it from the perspective of, you know, of course it has a, has an effect. Uh, this is a benchmark contract, and PD is going to say if Nylander gets this much, I want more because I score more points and I play a premium position in center, while Nylander is but a mere winger, just a winger. But Frege is saying, um, Frege is saying, but the timing. It's it's not like you know the the deal is going to get done and Pedersen is going to be like, okay, I'm ready to talk. When is Petey going to be ready to talk with the Vancouver Canucks? <laughs> Who knows? That's what we were joking about last week, right? Like, we have no idea. What is he waiting for? Peterson, well,
3: it's here's the, the thing. the fireworks
1: factory. <laughs> when are they going to get there? But here's the thing. Petey did say that he wanted to wait. He wanted to see how the season progressed. And, you know, when I heard that, I was like, okay, he's going to wait until the offseason. I, I never expected. I never expected. Pedersen to be like, okay, halfway through the season, let's go. Yeah. Now, I I will say that I did wonder, as the Canucks have been off to this dream, well, it's not even a start anymore. It's almost halfway through the season. They've had such a good season, I've wondered if he might be able to be nudged towards talking contract. That's and I'm like not a- even talking about signing contract. As Freed is saying, talking contract. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does want to just wait for everything to be over.
2: Yeah. I mean.
1: And and get into the offseason, see how the Canucks finish the season, if they make the playoffs, see how they do in the playoffs, and then focus. Maybe he's one of these guys that just likes to compartmentalize. He's like, I have a job right now to do, and it's to play hockey. I don't want to be distracted Mm -hmm. by contract talks. I don't want to do anything that isn't playing hockey and preparing for hockey. Uh, Petey said when he went through these struggles a couple of years ago, uh, he went through some struggles a couple of years ago, he said he learned a lot about himself. Isn't it possible that one of those things is you have to stay focused? You know, he mentioned sure. social media as being one of the things that, as a potential distraction, maybe maybe Petey has realized about himself or he's concluded about himself that during the hockey season, his job is to play Hockey.
2: Yeah. Uh, and that's great, right? And the lander thing was all... Almost... Or maybe he's going to
1: sign tomorrow. Who knows?
2: Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and, it, and it ain't going to happen. I mean, you want to talk about the inverse of that, though. Like, the Kneelander contract situation, I feel like that's all anyone in Toronto's talked about for the first three months of the season. And it certainly hasn't affected him. In any way, shape, or form. like I First like of all, crazy. he's
1: a very different personality than Pedersen. He's also in a different situation. He's pending UFA. Petey's pending RFA. That's yeah. a big difference.
2: No, I'm just talking about the the noise and circumstance surrounding yeah. a, a looming contract. I'm not talking about the players or anything.
1: Isn't so. an Elander the type of personality, too, is like, ah, I got my contract. And now it's time for William to relax. Yeah. Willie's done the business. Do you think there's any trust in tree living in Toronto, especially the way the Huberto contract went? I don't think tree li- I think
2: it's is all Shanahan. For being honest, I don't think this is Tree Living do- right. doing this. I think this is all Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I think Tree Living's there. It's gonna
1: be real hard to win with four guys it's making sh- over is- ten million dollars in cap hit, and then you look at that lineup and you go, you know, you don't know about the depth of the forwards, you don't know about the defense as a whole, and you certainly don't know about the goaltending.
2: You know what? I, I this
1: will be the year the Leafs win the Cup. By the way, so this will be the one,
2: maybe. Maybe.
1: I always bring up the Washington Capitals. Right, and, but that's what I'm saying. It could know? be
2: next year. It could be the year after. If we're going on the Capitals theory, the Capitals were just like – they just came out, kind of came out of nowhere when they no, won. No, they
1: had – do you remember their, their, window their GM close. said, like, we have a two-year window, yeah. and then they didn't make it in those two years, and then they won the cup the next year.
2: Yeah, I I, I mean I,
1: – They lost some guys, and then they still won. No, I know. They just
2: kind of – and Because
1: Kuznetsov got on fire, well, right? they, and they, Barry Trotz did a hell of a coaching job. And they went back to Braden Holby and that. They ha- <laughs> think- things that. happen for them, right? Yeah.
2: Just that's that's how it works sometimes. Um, okay, let's uh, reset here. A couple of things we got a te- couple of texts in to the Dunbar number text on and we were actually discussing this at the break. Uh, Connor Bedard's fractured jaw. If you missed it on Friday night in a game that I'm not going to lie, when I was seeing it go down, the biggest like takeaway was obviously Connor Bedard suffered a, a broken jaw, and a hit from Brendan Smith. But the sub story to me was this is really going to take the life out of the New Jersey Devils for Saturday's game against the Vancouver Canucks because it was a complete gong show. Fights galore. Jack Hughes gets hurt in that game as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Who Nick, did the
1: fight? Was it Foligno did the fighting? Foligno for Foligno had
2: to fight, and then he got hurt. He fractured his hand in right? the fight. Yes, and he used the, he got put on injured reserve as so well.
1: Brendan Smith is just like taking guys out left, right, <laughs> They're center. Like, Brendan
2: Smith, you ruined the Chicago Blackhawks this season. Congratulations. So anyway, by the way,
1: if they yes. get Celebrini, people are going to lose their minds, yes. and there's a very good chance of them getting Celebrini.
2: They are going to be. Real bad for the next. So there's a lot of takeaways here. Um, let's focus.
3: One. So this is like Taves and Kane 2.0, and then they win three cups in five years again.
1: Except, uh, except um, the two Taves and Kane are, are both from Vancouver.
3: Right. Oh god. Somehow even worse.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so sorry. What did you What did you say there, Laddie? I'm, yeah. Okay. Um, we'll talk tickets actually, as it pertains to the Chicago Blackhawks, because for a while. Chicago Blackhawks tickets were extremely valuable if they were the traveling road show that was Connor Bedard, right? I'm trying to think of a ticket that could plummet more in value than a Chicago Blackhawks ticket pre Connor Bedard injury and then post.
1: The Canucks need to pivot now and just call it guaranteed win night. Uh, yeah, to you need to do something. High. Okay,
2: because yeah. I'm going to I saw a Full stat. Full refunds
1: if the Canucks lose. I
2: saw a stat yesterday <laughs> that with all these injuries, I'm just trying to find it in my notes here. Okay, so it's not just Bedard, but they've got Bedard, Taylor Radish, Taylor Hall, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Beauvillier, Nick Foligno, and then the Corey Perry thing. All contracts that aren't in the lineup mm-hmm. they actually cost more than the guys the current twenty three man roster for the Chicago Blackhawks. Right, okay. It's thirty three million mm-hmm. on the roster and thirty five million on LT. Who's your IR. favorite
1: Chicago Blackhawk? <laughs> Who's on the roster right now? Oh, Jason Dickinson's got to be. Well, Dickinson is on fire, man. He's got like 18 goals. He's going to go to the All Star game. I'm not even kidding. Jason Dickinson All Star. That is terrific for him. I think
2: it might happen. I know. I no, don't I know what else they'll send, but so yeah. we, we have a bunch of texts coming in.
1: He's gonna, he's gonna win the uh, Dumper J Skills Award. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, what do, you, what contest do you put him in? The fastest. If, well, he doesn't change? have to, right? If no, the Canucks have to win,
1: if no.
3: the Canucks win, every single fan there should get a Connor Bedard bobblehead and a Canucks jersey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so,
1: and and a Jason Dickens jersey. Yeah, there's yeah. probably yeah. a bunch left over. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got so many. I millions. saw one in the team store. You know, oh, really? I walked in there. I was like, "There's a Jason Dickinson." I'm like, "That better be game worn."
2: Okay, so I want to address that when a guy (laughs) when a guy is traded or waived or whatever his jersey should be removed from the team store should it not yes you know like I know that they're just trying just, to sell I just, merchandise. I assume that was It's on thing. sale. Yeah. Are, you, are like, they supposed to do that? N- no. It was like a no discount I saw, back, I saw I? Horvat in there. Yeah. That's an old one, too. They're all like, discounted. That's there. almost yeah. at the Once point where it's a, right? Like, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a throwback, right? Right. But I throw back. Like, can you, re- can you repurpose it?
3: Be like, here's the throwback th- section? Shouldn't the rule be like, you got to remove it for like five years, then you can bring it back? Anyway. Cody from Winnipeg
2: wrote in, I paid $150 U.S. to see Bedard in Winnipeg this Thursday, and now I'd be lucky to sell these tickets for $10 Canadian. Life is unfair. Yeah, they, that team went from being must-see with Bedard in the
1: lineup to atrocious. without Like, There's no one worth watching, although they did beat Calgary
2: the other night. so
1: yeah. um, Someone texted in about Pedersen and all the talk about Pedersen. Yes. Um, someone texted in and said, can someone ask Elias about all this? Instead of speculating endlessly, like will the guy even answer a question? He will not. No. He does not want to talk about it. And from what I've heard, he is not particularly interested in talking to the media about anything right now. Yeah, he's not true. a big fan of the media right now. I choose to spin this as a guy that's laser focused on the task at hand. Yeah, there's no distraction. and doesn't want to talk to the media anyway because no you know distra- no
2: distractions. Have you seen the media? Hey, they get. Uh, I barely want to talk to them. Quinn's yeah. the captain. Let yeah. Quinn do the talking. That I mean,
1: is that is that is worth noting though. Like Petey can be like, yeah, I'm not the captain. Yeah, right. I, 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 and pr- I never was going to be. No, <laughs> right? I, I'm sure that's but I pr- don't want the job.
2: No, and you know what? Fine. Yeah. I'm I'm always of the mind that as long as the player. Uh, is doing the business on the ice, and his teammates like him. I could care less about personality or uh, media obligations or whatever else. Yeah, right. I mean, I've in my, in my years of playing sports, like I've played with a
1: million different personalities. You've got a bad personality, right? Yeah,
2: but no one wants me around. There's a key difference. Yeah, you know? that,
1: but that's because you're not very good, though.
2: <laughs> it's, it's a two pronged <laughs> problem that I have. Two prongs. But, like, he is having a—and I know some people are going to jump out of their seats and be like, You're not watching the games! There's too many nights where he's not there. Statistically, he's he's been fantastic.
1: Well, your argument about him needing better wingers—I'm surprised you haven't pounced all over this and bit a, said a bit of a told-you-so—he um, goes with the lotto line, and all of a sudden— I mentioned it in the intro. Yeah, but you didn't really brag about it. No, I'm not you. Right. That's um, true. Yeah, you're not so. me, and you never will be. <laughs> you never will be. <laughs> no, look, it's you're gonna take these opportunities well, when they're presented.
2: One of the reasons I didn't want to pounce on it is like it is just one game, and I don't know how much longer Rick talk going to play the line together. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the the game in New Jersey is like.
3: All right, we
1: proved that they still work well
3: together. What? No, it's almost they like. Caught all the points. Why would he split them up? That
1: makes zero sense. I don't think he'll split them I don't up think until, it, now. until it stops working.
3: Yeah, like if they yeah. only got whatever, a goal or a point or whatever, but fine. But they got like, mm. they, were, they were in like every play pretty much last, or this the is, last
2: game. This is the dangling carrot. This is how you make them want it more. You're like Remember how well you guys played together? Never again. And then you don't play them again until the playoffs. That's it. You just give them these little tastes of playing together.
1: Well, a lot of it will be dependent on, obviously, how the lotto line performs. If they keep performing like they did against New Jersey, it'll be tough to split them up. But also, again, what allowed Tockett to put the lotto line back together was the Bluger line with Garland and Joshua playing... Unbelievable! Still, Garland scores again. Mm-hmm. Is that was that three goals in five games or something like that? Like yep. he's starting to actually put the puck in the net now. Yep, and scoring some really nice goals. But also the versatility of Pew Suter, who is one of the best signings. Um, you know, no. for for what for what for what he ended up signing for, and don't forget he signed for next year as well. Mm-hmm. Unlike Bluger, is a pending UFA. What a great signing by Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford. His versatility allows him to center that second or third line. Let's just call them the middle six lines. And he gives a little something to Kuzmenko because he provides him as a, with a center that has some offensive upside. And then you put Mikheyev on that wing, and yep. you've got your speed, you've got your two-way dependence. And if you want to add yet another and – you can kind of shelter them if you want. For sure. Because the lotto line is going to get the tough matchup. That's the obvious one, right? Like, you're, if you're the opposition, you're like, okay, that's a line we've got to shut down. We put our best defensive players, probably our best players, against the lotto line, especially on the road when Rick Tockett isn't controlling changes. And then you've got this <laughs> third line. The second line. The second line. The middle, well, let's call it the Blueger line. Okay. That has just been playing unbelievable hockey and frankly has been playing just as well as a second line, frankly, just as well as a first line for a lot of mediocre NHL teams, they control play. Mm -hmm. So you're able to shelter that third line. Um, and you know, then you're less worried about Kuzmenko. Yeah. Just less worried. Although. They were on the ice for one of the New Jersey comeback goals, and they were running around in their own end a little bit.
2: Because when you traditionally look at uh, the quality playoff teams, the 2C position becomes of vital importance, right? I mean, we were talking about that great Colorado Avalanche team that won two years ago, and that was sort of the most recent example of having an elite 2C in Nazem Kadri. We can just remember how good that they were when he would roll over. Or, sorry, yeah, jump over the boards, and, and they would roll him out as a 2C. Like, that was really oh. tough to deal with in the playoffs. Ryan Kessler as a 2C. Right. So, you've seen throughout history, like, a lot of instances. And then you look at the Canucks, and you're saying, can you really win
1: with Pius Suter as your 2C? Well, the, the Blackhawks have won some Stanley Cups with some debatable 2Cs. It was is Michael Anzus out there. Brad Richards. I'll never, Brad Richards came aboard and yeah. was like, this is at the, the best. End of, at the end, it was <laughs> not is the prime best Brad gig. Richards. This is the best gig ever. I'm really a 3C,
2: but I'm masquerading as a 2C. You know but what they my, had
1: on that line, though, that made them able to do that. Yeah, and Hossa. Marian Hossa, right? But
2: the thing with what the Canucks have done here, and again, we talk about the work that Alvin and Rutherford have done, to remodel and to give yourself the versatility down the middle with Suter, Bluger, and Nils Oman, to do it the way that they've done it, which is identify these guys – and all of them brought in mm-hmm. sort of without a lot of fanfare and mm-hmm. certainly without a lot of money invested in them and to have the depth down the middle is a masterclass in finding assets that fit exactly what you want to do cuz there's a certain sense of with what whatever <laughs> However they – or whatever they identified in Bluger. And I don't know if it was, well, you're going to play between Joshua and
1: Garland. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. If they did, kudos to them. Well, Bluger's Bluger's value wasn't super high because he was a healthy scratch for Vegas during their Stanley Cup run. Right. But he's – I mean,
2: you just watch him and Suter playing. He's a good player. They're smart players, I think, is the thing. And they can adapt to whoever you need to put them on the wings with. And, again, you look at Suter, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko. Is it – is it a perfect second line? No. But within the framework of this team, it just all works because, as you mentioned, the third line might be the second line and the second line might be the third line. And whatever the case, you have such a high-end offensive ceiling with the lotto line mm-hmm. that everything just falls into place beneath them. And a couple of people texted in and said, they really like Hoaglander, Oman, and Lafferty, and I don't disagree. They have an identity in the way they want to play, and they understand what they need to do in the limited minutes that they get. And it just works, right? Everything just clicks. We always talk about the pieces don't fit, or you know, the the stylistically it doesn't work. It just seems like everything works for this forward group right now.
1: Uh, we're going to talk some NFL with Mike Tannier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already talked about the Seahawks. What was the biggest NFL story of the weekend?
2: I okay. I have to say this even the teams aren't all that sexy and enticing, but seeing mm. what happened in the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars completely collapsing. Right. And then the Houston Texans going from being awful, one of the worst franchises mm-hmm. in one year with a new head coach, a rookie QB, and making the playoffs and winning the division, that was pretty cool. That was tough for Colts fans the
1: way that went. That was tough for Colts fans.
2: Yeah. I Who mean was that was what was really... the running back's name? Oh God, I can't remember his name off the top of my Gardner
1: head. Minshew. He threw behind him. He threw behind him. Yeah. And he had running back hands. Yeah. Uh,
2: But it was, you know, that was really cool to see. Because, like, D'Amico Ryan's first year on the job. Obviously, C.J. Stroud having an amazing rookie campaign. And then what on earth happened to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, this was a team that was eight and three. Mm -hmm. They were one of the top three teams in the AFC through week
1: two. Yeah, they lost Nathan Rourke, and that was it. By the way, he didn't get a single snap all season. I know. That's too bad.
2: He did. Okay, so Nathan Rourke did get to dress as the backup yesterday. And, like, that, some people may be like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, NFL teams take those depth charts very seriously. So when you're listed as the backup, it means that you're on the active roster and there's a lot of implications as it pertains to contract and pay and everything else. But Mac Jones was dropped to the third string emergency quarterback. So they made a point right. of saying like works are number two, but they didn't put him in the game. And mm-hmm. afterwards, Bill Belichick was asked a whole hell of a lot of questions about his future in New England. Now, you can't read Bill it. Belichick's
1: future, not Nathan Rourke's future. Na- Bill Belichick's future, because he was yeah. the one making the calls Nathan on the team. Nathan Rourke was not number one on the topics that the reporters were asking.
2: I don't think there was a single Nathan Rourke. Or there was like query. a Canadian,
1: I'd like a question about uh, Nathan Rourke. <laughs>
2: he's like, who? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and finally, before we go to break, laddie has been in my ear about these tickets that we're doing a giveaway for. Uh, on January 18th, which is a Thursday, we're going to give away a pair of tickets every day this week to see the 32 Sh- Thoughts podcast live show. That's right. Frege, Merrick, the whole crew, a live show at Wicket Hall in Victoria, which a texter told me is indeed related to the Sticky Wicket, an all-time legendary pub. In Victoria. It's the less sticky hall that's next to it. <laughs>
1: it's not only, named after the Ewok. Only the floors are sticky. <laughs> and no, it's nine. not it's not named after the Ewok. Aww. Focus as guys. adorable as he was. Let's focus, okay?
2: Uh we are giving away Brian
3: Burke will be there as well as uh Kevin Bx as well. Okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> to entice you further.
2: Let's focus on the giveaway. We're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Thirty Two Thoughts live show. Uh January eighteenth. That's a Thursday. All you got to do is text in Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Send what we learned. Put a ticket emoji into it. The kicker for all of this, you got to be able to go to the show. You have to commit to be able to going to Victoria or if you're in Victoria, go on a Wicked Hall just right down the street. Thursday, January 18th, 32 Thoughts live show. Text in. Dunbar number text on 650-650. Yes.
1: Mike Tannier is going to join us next. Here are the playoff games next weekend. It is Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns going to Houston so to play awesome. the Texans. The, the oldest th- quarterback against the youngest quarterback. And, That's a great one. And the Browns are two-and-a-half point favorites in on that one. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, who lost to the Bills last night, uh, they're going to Kansas City. So Miami and Kansas City both finished 11-6. and six. The Chiefs aren't – they're not right but they're three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Dolphins. The Pittsburgh Steelers, what a great finish to the season. Mason Rudolph. The Pittsburgh Steelers had. They got the job done in Seattle. They got the job done um, against a rested Baltimore Ravens team. They will play the Bills, who also – Needed to, well, actually, I guess they didn't need to do work to make the playoffs, um, but they might have had to. Titans got them in. Um, The Bills are nine and a half point favorites over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Packers-Cowboys, a classic matchup. Um, If I'm the Cowboys, well, I'm never confident heading into the playoffs, but uh, the Packers will present a challenge, I think, to the Cowboys, although the Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites. And the team that ultimately hurt the Seahawks the most this season, the L.A. Rams. What a great matchup this is. Matt Stafford and the L.A. Rams will go to Detroit to play Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. The Lions are three-point favorites in that one. And the Philadelphia Eagles, who are really backing into the postseason, going to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers, who finished with a modest record of nine and eight. So much to discuss with Mike Tannier coming up next on the Alfred and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
4: The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Dranz. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Did you have any different feelings? about the end of today coming off that field? Disappointed
4: about the way the game turned out, sure.
1: Yeah, let's leave it at that. you expect to be coaching the team here next year?
4: Disappointed in the way the game finished, yeah. As far as the future goes, I'll sit down with Robert, as I do every year at some point at the end of the season, and we'll talk about things as we always do. I'm sure that'll happen. Well, That's really about all I have to say about that right now because there's nothing else to talk about.
2: 732 on a Monday. There's high energy Bill Belichick. Get your Monday going. Huh? He inspires that
1: voice. Right. Well, the Canucks have a game tonight. Sounded very uh, ex, extra gravelly. We need a lozenge. And then they got another game. Wow.
2: You are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on SportsNet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning. It's brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer. Today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. Uh, you can get some at your nearest liquor store or you can visit Bridge Brewing to see how it's made. Let's go to the phone lines now. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, joins us now on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
4: Morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, whenever a radio station leads in with the Bill Belichick's quotes from the previous game, they're so quiet and mumbly that I have to turn the volume up on my phone <laughs> to hear what he's saying. And then when the host comes in, I, like, whoa! Like, it's like, whoa! It's a shout in my ear and I have to turn my, my, uh, my volume back down.
2: On the subject of Bill Belichick, we've already seen a couple coaches get dismissed. Uh, the Falcons didn't even wait for Sunday to be done. They didn't wait for Black Monday. They fired Arthur Smith on Sunday. This morning, Ron Rivera gets fired in Washington. We've seen a couple other coaching dismissals during the season. Will either of or both Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll be relieved of their duties in the coming days, weeks, months, et cetera? I
4: do not think Pete Carroll will get relieved of his duties. Weirdest things got in Week 18 and towards the end of the season, I feel his job is safe uh bill belichick we are we are in this waiting game where it looks like the patriots and belichick are going to make this as difficult for each other and everyone else as possible this, yeah i wrote weeks ago and i said on the show for weeks it's hard to just fire bill belichick this is a person of incredible power incredible influence etc and he, there's a 25 year relationship between him and robert kraft and has to be massaged a little bit but like The messaging and the confusion and everything that's coming out of this, I have a feeling like we're going to have a very long, slow, pointless wait for what's going to be a final conclusion, which is the two uh, parties saying they are mutually parting ways. Over in Washington, we mentioned that Ron
2: Rivera is out now. The new owner, Josh Harris, made a pretty interesting move by bringing on Bob Myers as a consultant. He, of course... A basketball executive with the NBA's Golden State yeah. Warriors. What are you hearing about? They also brought in Rick Spielman, formerly of yeah. the Minnesota Vikings. So, what are you hearing about this dynamic, this situation? Because, as I
4: understand
2: it, these guys were brought in to lead the search for the next head coach of the Commanders.
4: Right. It's interesting because uh, up until certainly during the season, you know, much of what I heard was that well, this is a team that would like to take a run at Belichick when he's available. Yeah. Um, and now we suddenly get two very high-profile figures, Spielman, who I, I, I know and I know a lot about, and the, the basketball guy, I, I know who the Warriors are. So I know he must have done a good job. And I can't decide whether this is uh, Josh Harris making a decision, you know what, the Belichick thing probably isn't the right direction for our team, uh, or it was just idle speculation in the first place, let's do this with the most like uh, expensive and, and, and like elaborate coaching search we can. Maybe it's that. Maybe maybe it's a very, very wealthy man saying, I'm just going to pay a consulting fee to two very powerful guys, and they're going to call Bill Belichick for me. <laughs> I, I, I can't decide which is which right now, but I think it's interesting. And again, this is very much a departure from Dan Snyder, who probably couldn't find two people who liked him enough to work right. for him yeah, towards the end of his career. <laughs> You're saying, I'm going to go out there and get whoever will will, will pick up the phone and answer my calls. What would be
2: considered the most enticing option right now for a free agent coach or a coach that's looking to either move locales or maybe a coach that knows he's going to be fired and there'll be an opening in his city? I mean, there's Carolina, there's Atlanta, there's, I guess, the Chargers job, which some people think might be going to Harbaugh. Now you've got Atlanta, now you've got Washington. I'm assuming Antonio Pierce will probably stay with the Raiders, but what's an enticing gig right now for a coach that's looking for a new job?
4: Well, I'm not 100% sure Antonio Pierce stays with the Raiders, although he's done a heck of a job. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the least enticing is the Carolina Panthers because uh, Tepper is is off his rocker, and he might just throw a drink at you when you come in for the interview. <laughs> um, Washington under Josh Harris, again, is not Washington under Dan Snyder. And one of the things hiring all these consulting guys signals is, we're doing things top of the line, you know, uh, gold standard all the way, and coaches will respond to that. Um, I like Atlanta. Now, Atlanta doesn't really have a quarterback right now. Desmond Ritter is not an an answer at quarterback. You can look at the talent. You can look at how the talent was mismanaged. Uh, There's a lot of of good players on defense. Um, And in general, Arthur Blank has a reputation as somebody who does not make rash decisions, who is not meddlesome. I think his hand was forced by Arthur Smith a little bit. If that team had won another game or two, he would have rolled for another year or two. And I I think coaches want to hear that this guy isn't just flying by the seat of his pants like Pepper does. Uh, and it'll give them a chance to succeed or fail on their own merits. And you throw and so the Falcons might be a, hey, find a quarterback, let him hand off the Bijan a million times, which Arthur Smith wouldn't do, and maybe we, we get success in a Harry. Hey, Mike, who had the best
1: season based on the preseason expectations? Like, you can talk about the seasons that Baltimore had, and maybe their expectations were not to get the – uh, first week buy out of the playoffs. Uh, the 49ers probably a lot of people expected them to be in the conversation for the top team in the NFC but I think about you know Cleveland uh, going 11-6 with the issues that they have at quarterback and Pittsburgh going 10 and seven and really clutching up down the stretch Houston with a rookie quarterback the LA Rams were not expected to make the playoffs. they made the playoffs. who
4: impressed you the most? Houston. Houston going away by by far. You know, if you told me Deshaun Watson got hurt, slash was ineffective, I'd be like, yep, yep, that was going to happen. And yet you could say, well, they have a defense, they have an offensive line, they can win those games. I think what the Rams did was exceptional, but the Rams still have their superstars. Houston was supposed to be like, in some sort of rehab this year from all the seasons that they weren't even like trying to be competitive when they were like this weird vanity project for, uh, you, you know, and McNair and Easterby and the, the, those people who are running the organization. Now you have this team that has 10 wins, that has offensive rookie of the year, has one of the top three or four defensive rookie of the year candidates, had a bunch of injuries. So there's guys who are going to come back next year where you can say, hey, look, some of these dudes like Tank Dell come back. We're going to be even better before we hit free agency, before we hit the draft. And D'Amico Ryans and his system have invalidated, validated. And, and I could not be more impressed with the Houston Texans. I, I don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs because everybody's hurt and everybody's a rookie. <laughs> but, like, but, like, moving forward, it's hard to be more impressed by a team with better prospects for 2024 and beyond.
1: What can other teams learn about how – the Texans handled having a rookie quarterback? Like, why was C.J. Stroud so impressive? Is it mostly on him, or did the Texans do something that other teams that have spent significant draft capital and seen their rookie quarterbacks flounder uh, did not do?
4: I I think uh, Ryan's brought in Bobby Slowick from the 49ers, another one of Shanahan's uh, disciples. He brings in a quarterback-friendly system. Early in the season, um, Stroud was looking good, but there was a lot of, like, you know, screen passes and stuff like that. And he learned on the fly from that. So uh, find that quarterback-friendly coordinator and, and let them gingerbread the offense, at least early going. That's certainly part of it. That's something the Panthers didn't do with Bryce Young. That said, I, I've written about this. C.J. Stroud is, like, one of those once-a-decade guys. Once, you, you know, that's just who he is. And, you know, if you ask me, well, how come we didn't identify that? As soon as I figure out how to identify the once a decade college quarterback prospects, you will not hear from me anymore. I'm getting an NFL job. I'm going to be in a front <laughs> office. Rick Spielman and the Warrior guys can hire me for uh, for, for Washington, etc. Because if any of us could figure that out, we'd be very, very wealthy. And sometimes they just happen, and you have to get a little bit lucky.
1: Mike, what is going on with the Eagles?
4: <laughs> and, oh my goodness! It, it is a crisis of confidence. It is dysfunctionality. I think it really bottomed out this week that like the level to which uh, the losing has begotten losing and perpetrated among the players and the, the finger-pointing and the mumbling and everything just reached a critical mass. And I don't think Nick Sirianni's job is really in danger. I think he will be asked to get rid of his defensive coordinators and rebuild that staff, and that will be his sacrificial pawn for what happened this season. But I do say he seemed very – uh, incapable of, of like, spinning the message, turning the tide, getting this team to say, hey, you know what? Okay, we lost to the Seahawks on Monday night, a couple of bad plays. In the deep breaths, guys, deep breaths, and, and reining some of those feelings in. Uh, but for now, like, the, I mean, the Eagles look like they're the worst team in the playoffs right now. I, I don't really think they are, but they look like it. They need to get home. They need to play golf. They need to go fishing. They need to go hunting in the woods for a week or two. And maybe they'll start to realize after that, hey, you know what? We're actually a really, really good team. We shouldn't be getting pummeled by opponents like the New York Giants.
2: So the Eagles are going to go to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers in the opening round of the playoffs Mm. on Monday Night Football.
1: Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I feel like a lot of people are going to take the money line and just take the home team there.
2: See, no, they should not because Mm. Tampa Bay stinks. And I'm, we have a very small but very loud section of our listenership that keeps bringing Ooh. up the fact that at the beginning of the year I said Tampa Bay stinks, Baker Mayfield stinks, they're not good, they're not good. Will you retract all this? No, I'm, if they I'm right. beat the Eagles, no. If they beat the Eagles, no, I will retract nothing. Okay. No matter what they do, okay. short of winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yo, look, okay, they beat exactly one playoff team this year, and the only playoff team they beat was the team that barely got into the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers. Other than that, and I love how you put this in the Messenger, Mike. You wrote, uh, the Buccaneers won the NFC South the same way Tykes win participation trophies by showing up each week ready to play and trying their hardest. You're the expert. Can you tell our listeners that the Buccaneers are not very good? Because I've been doing it, but they don't believe me.
4: The Buccaneers are not very good. They, won the, they reached the playoffs uh, yesterday by w- beating the Carolina Panthers 9-0. The Panthers have not, have not scored a point since, uh, since Christmas Eve, literally. In the last two weeks, they were shut out back-to-back weeks. The only way the Buccaneers were able to shut out the Carolina Panthers is they, they gave up a guy running for a touchdown, was running to the end zone. He dove. He fumbled at like the half yard line. It rolled into the end zone and and a defender picked it up, you know, for the touchback. Otherwise it might've been seven to six at that point. The game might've gone the other way. Yeah. There there are guys on the Buccaneers who are Super Bowl holdovers from Tom Brady. There are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a lot of guys on defense, Shaq Barrett, Levante, David, they're all kind of okay. So I would say, if you would say the Buccaneers are kind of okay, that's fine. But, yeah, they won because they played in the most comically bad division I've ever seen in my life. And I'll just remind everyone that they're 9-8. and eight. Cincinnati Bengals are 9-8. and eight. They're out of the playoffs. The Bengals went 9-8 and eight despite Joe Burrow being hurt and playing one of the toughest schedules, according to uh, DVOA, in NFL history. <laughs> so it's a real sliding scale. Making the playoffs in the NFC and the NFC South is not the same as being a good, quality, competitive football team.
1: Yeah, every team in the AFC North had a winning record. I think. Yeah, yes, every team. Yes. Yeah, because the Bengals missed at 9-8, and eight and they were last in the division. That yeah. was a tough division. Um, I do want to talk about the Seahawks. Um, I know they might not be top of mind for you, uh, considering they did miss the playoffs, but I guess we just start with, I mean, you think Pete Carroll's going to be back, what can he do to improve this defense? Because it did look early on in the season like they might have improved a little bit against the run, but then yeah. it totally fell apart. And it was really embarrassing how teams would control the clock. They must The Seahawks must have the worst time of possession numbers in the NFL, and part of that's on the offense, but most of it's on the defense, just not being able to stop the run. And it's just so demoralizing as a fan of the team, when your team cannot stop the run, and the other team's like, like Pittsburgh came into Seattle and were like, "Well, it's not going to be the Mason Rudolph show. We're going to run the ball," and they ran it down their throats. So, what do you do about that if you're a team?
4: I'll say this about the easiest thing to solve as an NFL problem is run defense. You can solve run defense cheaply in the middle rounds by drafting linebackers and defensive tackles. You can often get veterans who can plug the run a little bit schematically you can tweak a little uh things and frankly you can just get your offense much 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 better and then you take a 17 point lead and then you don't have to worry about run defense anymore because the opponent doesn't stop the run so uh you know i think that there is a soft spot there i think there are a lot of young players who uh, aren't very good run defenders like Derek hall and the back end of things. He he makes a lot of mistakes. I think Mafe still makes mistakes as a run defender. I, I don't know what the Jamal Adams situation is in general, week to week. Uh, and, but uh but like he's a guy who will still miss tackles in the open field, etc. You can replace those guys and fix that problem. Now is fixing run defense alone going to make this team, you know, a deep playoff run type of team? I don't think so. But it's solvable, and again, I think Pete Carroll's back. I think uh, I think Geno Smith is back for another year. There's not a lot of other places where you're going to make big, splashy improvements. That's at least one where you're right. You can take it from a liability that hurt you at the end of the year to something that, that could be, if not a strength, something that's at least kind of neutral. Uh,
2: should there be significant fallout in Jacksonville after an epic collapse to finish the season and missing the playoffs? I,
4: you know – You don't want to be the the owner. Shad Khan does not want to be the owner. He keeps firing guys. You don't want to act rashly, impetuously. They were at Urban Meyer a couple of years ago. They had all kinds of problems before that. Doug Peterson kind of runs things like a professional. He doesn't lose the locker room, stuff like that. They have to look at Doug Peterson's habit, and I've said this on a couple of shows I've written about this, going back to Philly of canceling practices, shortening practices, giving all the veterans' minicamp off, some of these other things that make him sort of a, a favorite about a lot of, among a lot of players, uh, things that certainly made him popular after Urban Meyer. <laughs> but the Jaguars don't look prepared. They're not good in the red zone. They're not good at the goal line. They're, they're bad before it you know, was a two-minute warning on. They make all kinds of mistakes. They don't tackle well. They miss assignments. This is a team that doesn't look like it practiced enough. And we have a head coach who's known for saying, hey, you know what, we're shortening things by a half hour for the next two weeks. I think that they have to look at that. Peterson has to get told, look, some of this is about fundamentals. Get this team more fundamentally sound. So probably gets a one-year reprieve because, again, you know, the team was pretty good at one point. But they have to watch what they're doing down there. Lamar Jackson, the MVP? Lamar Jackson's the MVP. I think that that's going to be sewn up. Uh, right now yeah no no disrespect to Chris McCaffrey Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott Jackson blew away led the Ravens to blow away two of the best teams in the NFL in the last couple weeks I think he earned it
1: but statistically where is this NFL MVP going to rank with some recent winners how do you mean like is it an for for the typical (laughs) MVP is this an impressive MVP season for Lamar Jackson
4: probably not although we had some very unimpressive Aaron Rodgers seasons uh you know late in his career it's not unusual for the mvp to be a default choice among like the five or six most famous guys right so uh, and the, and the other element of this is i don't know how to add the running to the receiving and point out like well it doesn't look like a tom brady yeah, that's season. A good yeah well tom point. brady yeah tom brady don't have no rushing touchdowns so so it's different but it's been a phenomenal phenomenal year for lamar jackson hey, no one no one remembers 20 years later, whether it was a good or bad MVP season, they just know that you won MVP.
1: Hey, Tom Brady had a bunch of quarterback sneak touchdowns. Those count as rushing that's touchdowns. True. Yeah, okay. That's Mike, true. that's true. Enjoy the games. Uh, they're going to be real interesting, as is the fallout from some of the teams that missed the playoffs. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. See you, Mike. Take care and enjoy your week, guys. Uh,
2: Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from the Messenger here on the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Who will win the battle? Of revenge, is it going to be Matt Stafford getting revenge on the Detroit Lions, or is it going to be Jared Goff getting his revenge on the LA Rams? I think the Lions are going to win that one. Yeah, yeah. that one is interesting to me because oh, the, it's very interesting to me. The, Li- the well, Rams are better than I, like, anyone expected. So. I am very, I'm not really confident um, in the Lions. In this is going to be their first home playoff game in like 30 years. Mm -hmm.
1: But I do have a new, you know how I said I was going to cheer for the Cleveland Browns for the Joe Flacco story. And also, you know, Sat is a big Browns fan. And I know he's suffered along with all the Browns fans. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm now cheering for Tampa Bay. I'm cheering for the Buccaneers because you've angered. Yeah, because you've angered this guy so badly. He is so mad. He is not taking this with any semblance of a sense of humor.
2: He's Bill from Buffalo. That's who it is,
3: Buffalo Bill.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you might a... have angered the wrong guy, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Alfred better be putting that lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though because when you do, they're uh, not going to beat Philly. They easily could beat Philly, but they're Philly's not, a mess, but Philly- they but they won't. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, it <laughs> is funny though because like when we talk about the Canucks, we know that ninety nine percent of the people listening to our show are Canucks fans, but. In the NFL, when we talk NFL and we talk Seahawks, we know that maybe like, I don't know, 30, 40% of the people listening are Seahawks fans. But a lot of people hate the Seahawks. And there isn't like an obvious second team. There are people that love every single team in the NFL that listen to our show. So if you say like some offhand comment about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Nobody's gonna text in and be like, "the Blue Jackets are actually really good." And I do like, it all the time too. Like, but like, if you do that with an NFL team, there's going to be at least one person that texts in and is like, "That's my team. I yeah. love that team." And I don't, I don't know how you became a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan listener. Um, You know, they've yeah, had they've won. some success. Yeah, they've they've won had, had lots a of Super teams. Bowls. This is not one of them. <laughs> 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 they've had lots of good teams. I am now. Lots of great players. None absolu- of them are on the great team. I am team. absolutely cheering for Tampa Bay for two reasons. Number one, because it would kill Halford. And number two, I actually really like the Baker Mayfield story.
2: Yeah, it's fine. It's great. Like, I'm glad that he found a starting job in the NFL and they beat, absolutely no one on their way to the playoffs it's awesome that's now he now he's coming to, like i think buffalo bills kept all the receipts from anything i've ever said i i also said jared goff stinks i don't recall saying that i said jared goff stinks oh, are you thinking that caught strays for this tampa bay take over the weekend mm-hmm. i felt bad about that yeah someone came at you on twitter and you're like no that's the other guy yeah
1: He's like, I'm yeah, I'm so you're, you're sad about the Seahawks missing the playoffs, but you know, like the ta- I don't know. I, was like, I wasn't even sad
2: about that? the Seahawks missing the playoffs. The Seahawks did not deserve to be. In the I did playoffs. not like the Seahawks team. They also stunk. Okay, Buffalo Bill. There goes two stink teams. Yeah, Tampa Bay and Seattle. They both stunk this. But year, they so. were not likable, were they? Very like, unli- as a group? Very unlikable football team, which is weird because mm-hmm. they had enough charming personality guys and intriguing enough players, so they like, like I, who. Well, I love the Geno Smith story last year. He was the NFL's comeback player of the year. Like, it was right. a great story
1: on its own. I don't uh, know if he's a charming personality. Though. I
2: like, I, well, the story was great. Everyone the story loved was Geno great, Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but then the expectation got raised, and he was. Back, just yeah. let me finish because okay. he asked the
2: question. Bringing back Bobby Wagner, I thought was like, I love Bobby Wagner. All time franchise player. Like, he's going to be retired. That was great. I was really excited about Ken Walker. I was really excited about Devin Witherspoon. I like the Charbonnet thing. Like, I, and then I thought with. Uh, Smith and Jigba, I thought they were going to have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Like I yeah. thought that was really good talent there. And but then their defense wa- couldn't get out the field. You watch them play, and you're just looking at this team, and you're saying they, are, they fall so far short of what they could be. Mm-hmm. And then there was the run defense. And through the first three weeks of the season, statistically, they were great. And then Brady Henderson, our good buddy from ESPN, who uh, was tweeting out a lot of stuff yesterday of note, one of the things he put out was, at the end of the year, their run defense was just as putrid this year as it was last year.
1: Yeah. Like, no – they regressed. They had the same record, but I don't think they were as good as they were last season. And maybe that's based on expectations, but there's a lot of issues. No. And I do wonder I do, I do wonder about the culture in Seattle well, I was, right I was just, now. I'm just going to get to that. Yeah,
2: the, the final straw, really, was, at the end of this, looking back and saying, this team – uh, just seemed to shoot itself in the foot in so many different ways because there were guys that you just didn't gravitate toward. And, and this is all eye test gut stuff, like guys you didn't like, like Metcalf kind of being
1: an idiot and mm. Jamal
2: Adams kind of being an idiot. You are
1: know, like DK at least got talent,
2: right? And it's like, is that the
1: very, a lot of talent who
2: DK? Yeah. Right. But I like Jamal I'm, Adams just stunk. You're ta- yeah. Well, that's part of the, the unlikableness of Jamal Adams. Right. And you start wondering, is this team, just in need of a total shift or a total different direction in terms of mm-hmm. what it's all about. Because when they were good under Carroll, there were guys that were, um, they were passionate and they were likable and they, they were about winning. And this team is not about winning. They're a mediocre team. Kevin Woodley's going to
1: come up next, talk a little bit of goaltending. Is anyone worried about the play of Thatcher Demko? We'll ask Kev on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.